Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Veterans Care Association and Timor Awakening podcast. The Timor Awakening program is an 11-day immersive, holistic and peer-to-peer veterans program based in East Timor that has a singular vision, which is to promote the health and well-being of veterans and veterans' families. Due to the current restrictions from COVID-19, we are running slightly abridged programs on the Gold Coast uh, with the same vision and same aim. We're using these opportunities to sit down with our participants one-on-one and conduct podcast interviews to capture their story and their lessons learned and things that we can all learn from uh, as we as veterans and wounded healers move through our own journey and help others do the same. We're going to be covering a whole range of topics including defence transition, mental health, relationships, veteran suicide, PTSD and post-traumatic growth. Whether you're out and about or listening to this at home or driving in your car, we do trust that you'll learn a lot by listening to our participants. Thank you and enjoy. Welcome back, guys. I'm, uh, it's Michael Albrecht here. We're at the tail end of uh, TA16 and sitting down with our participants and uh, using it as an opportunity to capture some um, some great stories and some lessons learnt. So I'm sitting down with Tammy Ritchie. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Michael, for being here. Yeah, yeah you're most welcome. It's, a, it's a, a pleasure to keep coming back myself. And you and I have met before uh, in the Tony Robbins environment, actually. We um, were crewing, what was it, 20, 2018? 2019 up in Cairns, so it's a, yeah. it's a small world. I didn't actually know that you were ex-defence and you didn't know I was either. How about that? No. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. But uh, what I've been doing with my fo- most folks is um, just getting uh, them to tell a little bit about their military background so the listeners sort of know who they're talking to and all that kind of cool stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I served, um, joined the Air Force in 1990, served for 17 years mm-hmm. as an aircraft maintenance engineer. I was one of the first female engineers. Um, so got used to working with a lot of men. Very male-dominated environment, imagine. Yes, yep, yep. yep. Nice yep. one. And in terms of postings and deployments and things like that? Yeah, so I spent a lot of time um, at Amberley and also Richmond Air Force Base. I yep. met my husband on the tarmac at 486 Squadron Okay. Um, when we were maintaining um, Hercules aircraft, so that was really exciting. What was his role? Um, so he was an aircraft maintenance engineer as well. As well. Okay. Yep. Yep. So um, so that's pretty cool. And then, yeah, had some amazing opportunities. Um, most women would never have the opportunity to do. And it's really just help develop the person that I am, I suppose. Like yep. one of the opportunities, um, or a couple I'll talk about, um, combat survival. Yep. So I got to do that in Townsville with um, the cl- Navy clearance divers, so the tough guys, yeah, you know. Yeah. And so, and that was about three weeks where we learn in a classroom how to survive in all the different environments and then we're invi- in, immersed in all the environments as well. Yeah. And so, of course, average weight loss, <coughs> sorry, no. of course, average weight loss was about 15 kilos. <laughs> so these guys were massive, you know, right. really muscular. Yeah, yeah. And um, having to learn to survive and actually being in the jungle on your own, literally mm. on your own when you're surviving on your own, you don't have anyone there with you mm. and you can hear all the noises of the animals and stuff like that in the background. It's quite frightening. Noise of and your stomach grumbling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then having to, you know, um, know what berries to eat, how to, yep. how to get water and all those kinds of things, which has been pretty amazing. And, you know, obviously we'd come back together. Um, so I remember one of the times um, being in the desert phase and being taught how to actually gut an animal. <laughs> and <laughs> we had this... Um, a goat that we were feeding the whole time and it was our pet. Battening it up. Yeah, and so again, a lot of the times in my career it was always seems to be me as the only female being with all the guys. And so, you know, we had this goat and we're patting this goat, petting this goat, had no idea that we were going to have to learn how to (sighs) cut off the head of this goat and gut it and that was like my responsibility they got me to do. So pretty, yeah, pretty... um, 
awful, I suppose, but yeah. it was like, um, ne- you know, necessary because when you, let's face it, when you're surviving in the jungle. You can do what you can do. Yeah, or yeah. out in the ocean, you know, being on a um, 10-man raft with, uh, there's 11, or so, 11 of us on a 10-man raft and <laughs> like literally surviving. So it was pretty yeah. awesome. Then I got to do the Kokoda Trail as well. So being an engineer, I looked after the um, caribou aircraft as well. And so the Army and the SAS used to utilise those to fly around in different deployments and stuff. And so Mm -hmm. um, as a thank you, they went past my office one day and said, look, we'd really love for you to come with us on this um, opportunity of a lifetime to do the Kokoda Trail. And they were expecting me to say no. Um, I straight away called my husband and at that stage we had two little girls and um, they would be going to childcare. My husband was on deployment himself, so he wasn't there. I was at home yep. looking after the girls. And he's like, Tam, you have to go. And I'm like, but the day that we're flying out, you're flying back on a military aircraft from Darwin. And he's like, look, we'll sort it out. Just go. So I had full support from him, which yeah. was really awesome. Yeah. And because he was away and I only had two weeks' notice, I was very fit at the time as well. Um, but, you know, working full-time and then also studying full-time as a teacher in mm. the evenings, looking, raising the two girls, doing it all on my own, I didn't have the chance to even think about mm. what I was doing, which was really awesome. Yep. It wasn't until I was on the plane on the caribou that <laughs> like a gravel truck in the sky, go yeah. forward, um, you know, go so slow – and I was like, oh, my goodness. And my monkey brain was like kicking in, trying to create so many stories like, oh, what are you doing? You're with the toughest guys in the world because there was me and 144 SAS soldiers. And that's it. Maybe I think there was another three Air Force guys. But again, being the only female. So my brain was like, oh, my goodness, and you've got to carry a 25-kilo pack. You know, that wasn't much um, – that was half my body weight yeah. I'm yeah. having to carry. <laughs> and so my brain's like – oh my goodness, what's going to happen? It wasn't even if, it was so definite. It was like, what's going to happen when you go over on your ankle? What are you going to do then? And this, the story just got more and more involved and more layers of helicopters coming to get me and all these kinds yeah. of things, right? So day one, we started marching. The guys started pack marching. They took off and um, left me for dust in the beginning. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Right, now you're really in deep you know, what are you going to do? You're yeah. the only female. You've got to pull in deep for, for all the girls that are out there. Yeah. You can't give up. You can't be weak. Yeah. Yeah. So as the day passed, um, people started peeling off, which was awesome because as I peeled off, it gave me the strength to know, hey, I can possibly do this. Yeah. You know, the mindset was just so incredible and so pinnacle in this moment to go through. But... I was also so clear on what I was saying and our thoughts lead to feelings, lead to actions, lead to results. So those thoughts that I had on the plane, the whole stories, day four came along. Day four, I went over on my pack and all you could hear is in my ankle. My ankle was just so swollen and sore and I was like, oh, good one. You just put it out there. You knew it was going to happen and you brought it to your attention Mm. and you actually manifested what you put out there. So then I was like, oh, my goodness, okay, rest, ice, compression, elevation. Rest, highly unlikely with all these soldiers. Mm-hmm. Ice, don't have any ice. We're actually in the jungle. Mm-hmm. Compression, well, I guess I can leave my shoe on, leave my boot on, and I'll elevate for a little while. And then I had to dig deep. And the thing that got me through was not the whole reality of the situation, the chaos, the perturbation, but it was the mindset that went, you can do this. Mm. 
yeah, so I had to set my outcome, send the energy on the outcome that I desire and that was crossing that finish line, which was such a big deal, you know, having this big task ahead of me, being mm. injured and that's exactly what I did and that's exactly what I achieved. So when I crossed that finish line, I rang my husband, like on the radio, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't believe it. I've completed this. It's one of the hardest walks in the world. And he's like, oh, far out, Tim. I knew you'd do that. Of course you'd do that. And I was like, I was, you know, downing myself all the whole way. Yeah, yeah. So I guess it's just the power of, you know, like so many incredible experiences that I got to do again that – you know, a lot of women didn't get to do, like I'd be flying on Iroquois aircraft, flying, um, driving mm. around the tarmac with army tanks and stuff like that and doing all these incredible things. Yeah. Um, but it was mindset that kind of pushed me through. And a lot of the things as I said, I, that I learned from the Kokoda Trail that time yeah. um, changed my life forever because I realised just how strong I was mm. and the power of the mindset. And that was way back, you know, I don't know how many years ago, but I've been out for now 15 15 years, yeah. so it was, yeah. You use all of that sort of stuff for you, what you do now with your coaching and your business. Yeah, sort of absolutely. Tell us a little bit about that, just quickly. Yeah, so um, I came to the end of my career, it was 17 years, mm. and during that time I I guess I was a little bit unfulfilled with that career. Um, I didn't know what was next and I knew that we'd had our last child and leading up to when I was pregnant with that child, you know, I was still working full-time, studying, as well and I'm a type A personality I'll mm. throw in as much in the day as you can but that's not always the best solution because I also got sick as well yep. um, during my career I also fell off an aircraft um, work stand and broke my back and had to learn how to walk again so I've had to overcome all that wow. And I was diagnosed also with two autoimmune diseases. So with the back injury, um, my services were no longer going to be required. Yep. So I was facing that medical discharge, had no idea what I was going to do. I'm skilled engineer, mm. you know, had no idea. And then I was like, can I go back? So the 12 months when I had off on maternity leave, I made the decision for once in my life, I'm going to stop. I'm going to breathe. I'm going to take my shoes off. I'm mm. going to create the necessary space that is needed. I had no idea why I was doing it. Mm. No idea why I'd meditate. But I needed it. And little did I know why. So towards the end of my career, when I was due to go back, and um, and my, ho- my whole soul was telling me, you can't go back. You go back, you're going to be there until mm. you're 65, yep. you know. Maybe they could retrain me or I'm not sure. But I was like, it was no longer fulfilling me. I knew there was more. I had no idea what. So what actually happened next was um, having that space was the most perfect thing. And I had no idea why I needed to use those tools. Mm. But um, I was unpacking boxes in our new home and our little baby boy went missing. He was right within my sight. And all of a sudden, um, my brain was trying to tell me he'd be playing in another room with other toys. But my heart was telling me, no, there's something else. You need to go looking for him. It led me to the pool. I didn't want to believe it at all that my child could be anywhere near the pool because I heard no splash, no scream, no gate opening, nothing. And he's a baby. I was unpacking boxes and never did I think that anything could happen. So my voice was trying to, my brain was trying to tell me, justify, tell me where he's playing with his toys, blah, blah, blah. And my heart, the thing that was in my heart that led me, the divine energy caused me to not be able to dismiss that. It caused me to go, even though I didn't go to the pool where I was led, 
I still wanted to just write off the fact that, you know, he wasn't playing with um, toys or painting the wall with my makeup or in a box somewhere. So I did go room to room like a frantic woman trying mm. to find our baby and I couldn't find him. So the last place that I could look was the swimming pool and every parent's ni- worst nightmare suddenly became my reality as my own little boy, my own little flesh and blood, suddenly floating and unconscious in a backyard pool on my watch, you know, and and it just gutted me and... Um, and like I tried to scream out for help for neighbours to come, someone to come. My husband was at Bunnings getting child locks to make sure the house is safe and no one was around. Mm. So I had to get him out of the pool. He's lifeless in my arms. I'm running inside like a frantic woman trying to find my mobile phone or trying to find a phone. Mm. I tried to call triple zero on the home phone and it wasn't connected. So everything that was meant to help me let me down. So all of a sudden I've got my little boy in our arms inside and I'm trying to find someone to help me and I knew I was trained in CPR but mm. never did I expect I'd ever use it. Yeah. In fact, every time I did it in the military I was thank- I was grateful that I had some kind of understanding or some kind of knowledge as well from the military's mm. experience but it was always delivered in a way that, you know, I'd never be able to do it. Like it was just for the tick in the box. Yeah, yep. And it was always focused also on adults, not babies as well. So all of a sudden I'm in this chaotic situation. My head's telling me you're not good enough, you can't do this. And then all of a sudden I remembered to breathe. That divine energy came over me and I took that deep breath. And with that deep breath it caused me to smash that voice tune in and I remember clearly saying this is um, just the feeling that was being told to me is this is not about you. This is about your son. And if you don't do something, anything, doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be perfect. Mm. Do something to help save your son's life. Mm. So I lay him down, tried the first rotation and nothing happened. Second rotation, he started breathing and I couldn't believe it. So then I found my mobile phone. I was able to call triple zero. They were on the way. They supported me on the phone whilst they came, whilst I kept him alive. Mm. And when they arrived at my house, they couldn't believe that he was still alive. They said most people with immersion injuries, they pass, they they don't come back. So we were kind of immersed in the media. My story suddenly became powerful. Mm. And I knew at that moment that I cannot unknow those skills. I cannot unknow not just the first aid training, but all of the things that I learned on that day, all the mindset mm. things, all the things that got me out of my head into my heart that saved my son. And the intuition that led you there in the first place. The intuition and how quickly in life had I had I have had the incident have occurred when I was working full time and, and studying full time and not giving myself that space, that mm. necessary space, yeah. I probably wouldn't have heard that or felt that intuition. You know, I may not have. Mm. And so I'm really reminded of all those skills. And so literally with that in mind and being immersed in the media, I knew I had a mission that I needed to help others avoid the pain that I went through. And I had no idea how to do it. But I made the decision mm. at that point, I can't go back. And I jumped into the unknown and I created the success, the success that I've created. So mm. I've got training companies for first aid training and all the universities around there online as well. Yeah. But also what else was beca- was very popular as well and lots of people asked about was how did you get to that? So then it became how did you give up a whole career? How did you pivot? How did you become yeah. resourceful? Yep. So all those tools became really important. And um, during this course that we did this week with the Awakening, Timor mm. Awakening, there were so many bits of information, you know, that I'm already doing and mm. teaching and everything. But one thing that um, was highlighted was 
Um, what do other people think about you? What do other people see as your gifts? Mm, mm. So all of a sudden, even though I had these trainings, I'm running retreats, I'm immersing in personal development with some of the world's best leaders, you know, I wasn't learning as much from them, but I was. it was more like, um, it was not amplifying, but it was reminding me of what I was doing was right. But what... What it was is, even though I had those things um, running, then people started asking me about health because mm. I, you know, had to overcome my health during this time as well. Yep. I had eight and a half years of ill health on chemotherapy, heavy treatments, wow. and you know, and through my own, you know, obviously um, had to still be on pharmaceuticals and chemotherapy and stuff like that. But I knew the importance of working on myself and healing, and I holistically healed myself. So then people started asking about that. So they come, they want to know. Mm. And so the importance of team or awakening, that one of the exercises was, was what are people seeing you? Mm-hmm. And that's what I started to notice. People started to come to me. And even though when you say I'm a coach, I, I, I don't like to coach one-on-one. I get yep. tons of people coming. I don't even charge them. You know, I love helping people. But I'm better at um, not one-to-one but one-to-many. Yeah. So that's why events and stuff like that. And as much as I can do an intervention on one, I know that's helping create a ripple effect across others. Yeah. So people start seeing those things. Mm. Yeah, and so just all of those tools that I learned during that whole journey from yeah. having the, uh, I'd say, the awakening and the wake-up moment and getting into my heart space where the heart is 16 times more powerful than the brain in any case. The brain will keep us safe. Mm. So thankfully I didn't listen to the brain that day, you know, and that's the message that I've kind of delivered and gone on my yellow brick road with my ruby red shoes (laughs) (laughs) um, and just bringing tons of people with me. Like having no fear and having to go through a lot myself, a lot of adversity and having to sit in my own stuff and, and heal those wounds has allowed me to see the unlimited possibilities and to not see anything as an obstacle mm. and to create what I've created, um, platforms like marketplaces where helping entrepreneurs that create solutions for today's problems showcase their products, their services, you know, have other speakers that we're in COVID right now, these wonderful speakers have got incredible programs and messages that they've got nowhere, no one can attend their events, yet they can do it online. So yeah. they come to us and, yeah. and you know, they form part of our platform and then even to enhance it even more instead of just having a payment option as cash and um, PayPal and all those kinds of things, mm-hmm. but introducing and being one of the first platforms in the world to have crypto as a payment option, wow. it just blows me away. But it all started with that first tuning into the heart space and not dismissing it so i think think that's something that this program does offer is that you know it is holistic of course that's how it's sort of labeled but i think it it does have a heart component to it you know i think that comes through from you know the the gentleman who created it and i think it's that's why it resonates with a lot of people because it gets you into that and defense doesn't really do that not uh, at in all. fact, defense doesn't do that at all uh, in, in most of the cases. So it's like, yeah. And I think a lot of the programs, they like I run really similar programs um, with my people, but mm. and I serve. Mm. But as much as healers heal, um, healers give a lot as well. Yeah. You also need to heal. So coming to this program, you know, I felt the immense benefit by coming along and being with other people and feeling that comfort of because mm. I've been out for 15 years doing my thing creating all these massive success mm. but just being in that environment where you feel comfort and and the same and similar and you're talking the same lingo yeah and feeling really part of a family even though some of the people we've only just met you yeah. know it's 
just pretty incredible and ha- having all of these uh, mindset and holistic kind of stuff coming along mm. you know there's been some things that happen in my career that I haven't been given closure I haven't felt important you know I've felt brushed under the carpet like mm. most of us have yeah. because as you as you mentioned it's not um it's more in the head yeah. kind of stuff it's more orders dictatorship yep. blah 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 and so given the opportunity to to heal and and to come and to feel validated and you know like um have nikki come along and open up the whole possibility to the trauma of what it actually is and actually feeling understood that it's you know like for many years the some of the things that I'd been through and not feeling heard and I made the decision late last year that um, that I'd be the voice and because there was I did a program myself which was Kundalini healing it went for mm. 10 weeks and mm. during that program they identified that my um, throat chakra was blocked and I was like that's really weird because I actually speak internationally I'm an international speaker and they said no there's something there that hasn't had closure and then it led me to go I know what that is and I knew that in order for me to move forward and be the best version of me, I need to clear that as I help other people clear mm. because then you open up more. So I made the decision that, yep, I'm going to heal those wounds. And then I started to speak to someone or seek the people to actually help and it all just came in the flow. So the original question I think you asked is mm. how did you end up on this program? Mm. It's absolutely in the flow, mm. you know, increasing your energy to um, your vibe to attract your tribe. Spot on. Totally, yeah. because, you know, I made, it was all in the decision. Mm. So I took the responsibility to make the decision to go, you know what, I'm, I, I need to be heard, I need to be validated, I'm, I need to speak, and I've, you know, doing the, the work to make that happen. Yep. And then meeting the people, the synchronicities that are showing up as a result. And then it's like, oh, my goodness. And then I thought, even coming here, and I had no idea, and like even you, Michael, like mm. us being – in these incredible leadership environments and stuff and not actually even getting to know people. It just really, mm. yeah, I, I guess. You've hit, hit the nail on the head there with the <coughs> you know, increase your vibe to attract your tribe. I think that's, that's spot on because you know, one of the other chaps I was chatting to before was like he didn't know about this program but because he pushed himself to go to the gym, you know, the Veterans Health Association, that's where he met Mary Gary Stone and from Gary Stone he met, you know, it was just a flow-on effect. So even yeah. if – You've just got to take some sort of action. You know, you've got to move forward and just take that first step, I think, and then eventually it'll You meet the people, yeah, Yeah, because – and I had a similar thing with the gym, you know, like, I mean, I've been – I train all the trainers at the gym. Mm. You know, I've been training at that gym for a long time. Mm. These guys just happen to have these shirts that that I happen to see. I'm Mm. like, hey – Veterans Health Association, what do you guys do? Mm. Oh, I'm actually a veteran. And, you know, just um, meeting the people within that network, so mm. not just the trainers and the um, psychologists that have all been so helpful for me yeah. along the program and stuff like that, but the people that are part of that as well. And then they've been so invaluable because some of them are like, yeah, I only served for a few years, but I've had this trauma yep. and, you know, this you know this kind of payout as a result. When I got out 15 years ago, there wasn't anything like that. No. I lost my job as a result of falling off an aircraft work stand and kind of got missed along the journey. And, you know, I wasn't living in that moment. I was living my life still. So that's why it kind of went unnoticed. But when I started hearing these stories of, what? And I kind of felt, well, hang on, I've somehow been forgotten because the transition period, the transition wasn't there. Whereas now I see the transition has completely changed. And so they have the resources. And, you know, as much as there's a whole ton of us that came out with that, that transition mm. 
um, meeting the people that have got the resources and going the right way. Yep. I'm just blown away and I'm so grateful for Amazing. that. Yeah, <laughs> That's awesome. Well, look, you've uh, yeah, been a tremendously positive um, influence in the group and I'm really grateful to have you here. Um, we better wrap up soon. Any last sort of things before we um, cut there and uh, we'll be heading back down for the final session soon? Yeah, sure. So those of you that are considering to do this program, mm. you know, like, don't consider, you owe it to yourself, you know, smash that voice in your head. What if you just let down those chains and just open up your heart? The whole world is open there for you. You know, you've got such a long life left. We've all got scars and injuries, but if you can get out of that that space and into and, th- and healing those wounds, you know, the world opens up for you. So, uh, yeah, I, I, this is a really awesome start for you. Love it. Tammy, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We trust it's been valuable. If you've got any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to us at support at veteranscare.com.au. And we do encourage you to share this podcast with anyone you feel really needs to hear it and keep a lookout for our next episode. Thank you.